you bring up the rest of the lights? Looks kind of dark. Um, like I said, thank you, Matt. But I want you all to know that his time is not like my time. It doesn't count at all towards my time. <laughs> but I will be respectful of your time. It's only 12 13, because i got to claim every minute, but uh, we'll have you out of here soon. But this is going to be, um, the last week, uh, the Lord used that time, and, and I preached on your eyes, and I'm so glad my wife came up, because our usually when we think about what we look at, what we look at with our eyes, we think of one thing, but she, she brought just a great closer to that. And um, this is a pastoral message like last week was dealing with our eyes. We're, we're going to be dealing with so, something else, another sense uh, of touching today. But um, our eyes, uh, the scripture talks about the eyes being the lamps into our soul. Your eyes are the lamps into your soul. That's why you've got to be careful about what you look at. And you've got to be careful some things not to look at, but you need to be careful also to look at some things. Amen. Some things need to be looked at. And, and, and I drew this out of that scripture that what you see has the ability to consume you. Now, you can just let that take you wherever you need to, but the, that's, that's a fact. What you see with your eyes has the ability to consume you. That's the bad news, and let me give you the good news of it. What you see has the ability to consume you. It works both ways. It's a thumbs up and a thumbs down. What you see has the ability to consume you. What you see has the ability to consume you. Make sure you're seeing the right thing. And we talked about his word, and we talked about a tipping point, and we talked about laying up these treasures in heaven. We want heavenly blessings. We lay up heavenly Treasure. So today, uh, um, on with this pastoral type message. Um, it, it's kind of pastoral messages are kind of like walking through a field and getting on a fence row and say we're, we're going to walk right right over here. Or for some reason, we we take this trail. Have any of you ever uh, seen a, a a a pasture and you've got cows everywhere in that pasture, but you got some dirt lines going through it? And every one of those cows will get on that one trail at the right time. Sometimes a pastoral message is just to get us from the field to the trail. Because it's feeding time or, or for whatever reason. It's watering time or, or whatever. We, we, we need to go through this time together and it brings us back in. So this, just consider this a pastoral message for the next few minutes. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, or however you can get there, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 down through verse 12. Uh, I want to uh, read these for us. Beginning chapter 6 with verse 1. We then as workers together with him. This is Paul talking and about himself as disciples, former disciples, now become apostles as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Just real quick right there. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. We tell you the truth, but we don't give offense. We live in a society right now where everything is thumbs up or thumbs down is requested. Your opinion is required wherever you go, and your opinion doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. We used to say it's like belly buttons or parts. We've all got an opinion, you know. Okay, I'll move on. So, <laughs> it sometimes it seems like our opinions used to mass, matter matter more than they do now, and that now it gets muddled, and, and all of a sudden your opinion will get you in trouble real quick, uh, because um, this thing about offense has come to the to the forefront, and it's so easy to be offended nowadays. I, I'm going to throw something at you. And uh, you're going to have to squeeze this through a tight filter to be, it's, it, this is going to be like one of those big horse tablets that the doctor gives you and says, swallow this and it's the size of your thumb. And you're like, how? Um, as believers, we give up our right to be offended. I'm hiding from you right now. I don't want to get hit with anything. We are supposed to give up our right to be offended in other words, what, what people say doesn't move me. What God says is what moves me. Okay? We give no offense. He says, we give no offense. Now, the, the, the thing is, I've already said enough to offend. And as I say the truth, as I'm reading God's Word, I'm reading you the very truth of God's Word. Sometimes the very first thing that the truth does, most of the time, the very first thing the truth does is offend you. Going through a right, going through a light, going through a, a, a light that was formerly green, it's on the last shreds of yellow, and red is impending, and we step on the gas like, I ain't stopping for that. The truth is, you're supposed to stop right here. But I'm just offended enough to say, uh-uh, not me, uh Right? You're awfully quiet, quiet tonight. But the truth will offend. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. You know why we try not to give offense? Once you have offended someone, you have lost the thought of being a voice into their life. Not that you acquiesce. You stand on the side of the truth. But you've got to know what the truth is so you're not moved from it. I'll keep reading. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. It's so powerful right there. 
because we'll get whiny because the dishwasher went out, right? These guys went through real things, but understand Every time they went through something bad, God came behind it with something good. And God would allow them to go through things to prove himself in them. Amen. Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken only to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. (laughs) Man, that's good. Let's just let that one sink in. You're not, restric- you're not restricted by anything I'm saying. You're restricted by your own affections. The things that you want to do, you don't realize the walls you build around yourself. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, now this is a promise. It's going to be, in a second, you're going to hear what is about to be said recognized as a promise. This is a promise of God right here for His people. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This this is a New Testament quotation right here. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That preaches real good. And it may even get a nod, but walking that thing out on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and all throughout the week, it is the nod kind of leaves and we sink back if we're not careful. And I'm putting that on those that come to church, but we could look closer and say the church itself because. Sometimes there's not a great deal of difference in this and that, according to what it's saying right here. There needs to be a clear difference here and there. And not a clear difference that tells on us as being hypocrites. So, oh, you act that way here, but I saw you out there. But I fear that the church has tried to do so much blending in that we have become something that he never intended us to be simply because he said, come out from that. We all used to be something. We're all X something, and maybe some of us aren't completely X'd out yet. But he says there needs to be a difference in who you used to be. You remember the scripture that gives a list of things, and the word says this, and such were, were, were were some of you such were not such some of you still struggling with you were this he wants to take the struggle out of your life it is a true scripture that says take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my my yoke is easy and my burden is light Chapter 7, therefore, 
having these promises, the promises I just told you, I will dwell among them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, they shall be my people. These promises included instructions, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Wonderful promises. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, He's going back to the relationship right there. He's calling on the race. Hey, my beloved. He's I'm not just, 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 just I'm not just nailing you right here. This is family talk. We can talk as family. Anybody ever have family meetings where we we should be able to talk freely in family meetings and, and get the point across and, and understand this is what is expected of you. Therefore, having this promises, beloved, family. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amazing scripture. They're all amazing, but in particular, if we just come to church and ask God to take stuff off of our life, we're missing it. We're no better than asking him to wave a, a magic wand over us. And all of a sudden, we walked out polished and new. And the things I used to want to do, I don't do those anymore. Let me tell you, the man who wrote this is an interesting character. Paul, formerly Saul, persecuted the church, had Christians killed at his feet. Well, tell me God can't use you. He can use anybody. Paul was... Saul was troubled before he became Paul. And then when he became Paul, trouble didn't just leave him because God changed his name. Paul's the the guy who wrote, the things I want to do, y'all know the rest, I don't do those things. I called it a minute ago, my want to, my will, my will is my want to. Paul said, my want to, I don't do that all the time. He said this, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do anymore. The things I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. That's the guy that's writing this right here. That's that's the guy that's saying this. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves. There's some things that God will do, and when he saves you, you are on your way to heaven the sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that. I'm, I'm, aboard I'm on board 100% of that. But the cleansing myself, i got to factor that in somewhere. Because he didn't say, come to me and I'll cleanse you. He said, there's some things that you need to cleanse yourself of. And you know what those things are. And I don't. And I... I, if I did know, I would wish I didn't know. That's your thing that you have to work out, and he will help you. And and if he helps you, you will lose phrases like, well, God just understands. I hear that one. Well, 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 God just understands. Let me tell you what God understands. Do you understand what God says? 
Because after he said it, it comes down to a matter of obedience or disobedience. That's the two. That's the two right there. Your whole life, let me tell you what the end of your life will look like. When you come, whether you live 20 years or 80 years or 120 years, at the end of your life, you will turn around and your whole life will be a system, a system of things that you said yes to or no to. And that will be your life. Your life. My life will be just like yours, except for the trail will be different. It will be consist of uh, the same things, things that I said yes to and things that I said no to. So who will bear the responsibility for my life? The decision maker. Look at yourself and say, I might not be in upper management in this earth, but I'm upper management right here. I'm the CEO of me e o. <laughs> because... <laughs> Supervising me deserves an oh at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But, but grasp everything that's in this. He's actually telling you that holiness can be perfected. Isn't that what it says? Let's listen. Let's check. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, perfecting Holiness. So, 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 so perfect holiness isn't there in this life, but the process of perfecting holiness is through the fear of God. So I see through this that, that there is a process that takes place. Over and over, I've told you guys this. According to the Word of God, you have the ability to take part in your destiny, your very own destiny. Every one of you here, breathing God's oxygen, you've got a destiny. You've got a place that you will end up. You get to decide how that happens if you're wise. And you take advantage of that through the seeds that you plant, through the yeses that you give, through the no's that you give. I, just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my son. I said, Walker, I'm going to tell you this. I said, you're going to learn to appreciate the no of God as much as the yes. You don't just ask God for yeses. You learn to ask God for noes or listen for a no. Didn't we talk about it? Let us perfect ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I grew up in a holiness church. Live entertainment. We had Sunday night church. We had Sunday night services, and uh, Sunday morning service was usually pretty calm, but Sunday night was for the athletes. They weren't training. Some running was about to take place. Well, what I learned was that we spent a great deal of emphasis in the holiness church trying to clean up what you can see, what y'all can see, what y'all can see. On Sunday, when my big old, this Bible ain't big enough. I need, sorry, I need a big magnum Bible so I can show you all how holy I am because I got the big Bible. And it wasn't just like that. It wasn't just like that. I, I don't want to sound like I'm just coming down on that. But nevertheless, we spent a great deal of time trying to clean up the old guy and the outward appearance. And I found out we didn't spend a whole lot of time on the spiritual man. 
Because all the spirits aren't good. Sometimes my spirit's not good. Sometimes my spirit's better than at other times. Sometimes there's something that tries to jump on me. Sometimes I can have a bad attitude. So Sometimes I learned this. I could come to church and hide the attitude because nobody can see it. I can. Everything's, everything's fine. No, it's not. Not always. And I had to learn... What I actually learned in that setting was that I, I could fool some people if I acted a certain way in front of the right people, forgetting that God was never fooled. God knew who John was outside of church, and that's what he needed to deal with me about. Perfect holiness, according to Scripture, is being cleansed on two dimensions, flesh and the Spirit flesh and the spirit you'd be amazed how many times that it's not a flesh thing it's a spirit thing it's not something you can see on the outside it's something that nobody could see that was going on on the inside it comes from someplace perfect holiness perfecting holiness is being cleansed on two dimensions the flesh and the spirit let me read down through verse 12. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Paul was saying this, we're going to do life together. I'm not trying to offend you. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I'm filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. It's just an amazing passage. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. What was going on on the outside was causing fear on the inside. Nevertheless, God, who comforts us, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Can I can I tell you this? Sometimes God will send somebody by. Sometimes God will send a a, a, a Titus by. Sometimes God will send somebody, and I'm talking about timely. Like all of a sudden, you weren't expecting it, and he used somebody. And they came by, and unbeknownst to them, they didn't know, they didn't plan it to come by. Uh, There's no way that they could have known, but here comes Titus. Has that ever happened in your life? All of a sudden, here comes Titus. Not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. 
For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in, in nothing. In other words, as he brought a word of truth, that word of truth hit a place in someone that they recognized. And what he was fearful, knowing he had to say it, God protected him and sheltered him from it because it was from God. It was just using Paul's mouth to get to you. The saying, don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's a sorrow that should take place when we come into the presence of God over matters that we're going through. There's a sorrow that should take place. The Bible says clearly, the godly sorrow works repentance. Godly sorrow. When it comes from Him, He'll change something in you. Because you weren't sorry when you did it, but now that the deed's done and you see all of the carnage that's left behind and how that things aren't now the way they used to be and might not ever get back to that, there's something that, that can make you feel sorry. And if it's godly sorrow, that's a good thing because that can lead to repentance. Now, there is another type of sorrow that the devil will try to copy God with because only God can make you feel sorry the right way. The enemy can make you feel sorry with anger. He can make you feel sorry with guilt, and he can throw in other things that will cause death in your life. Like From that point, there's no healing in store for you. There's only the death of that thing, and that's not God's will for your life. Verse 11, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication, in all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong thing, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear. So there's obviously some conflict that's taking place. Obviously some conflict that's taking place. Obviously this thing has worked out. Obviously they, they, it's changed. Godly sorrow has come in. It's, reproved, it's proved uh, repentance that led to salvation. People are on the right track again. And, 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 and we're not wanting to get back to that place. But where, where did Paul stay in the middle of this thing? He, he, he said it like this. He said, Although I wrote this to you, and he admitted earlier, I've wrote some pretty strong, I've written some pretty strong things to you. In other words, we've had this conversation before. We've had this conversation before. Though I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong. In other words, I didn't say this in front of everybody to rake that person over the coals. Nor for the sake of the one that suffered the wrong. I didn't do it so everybody would say, this person's been done wrong. 
He didn't say, this message to you today is because this person did right and this person did wrong. And this person is hurt because of it, and this is the one that did the hurting. He didn't do that. But that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. I didn't do it for the sake of him who suffered wrong or the ones who did the wrong. Why? Taking sides? Possibly. I think it's more so because... There are going to be times as human beings that we're the one that got done wrong or we're the one that caused the wrongdoing. And we need the same fix every time God's Word to fix it. And it comes down to whether we'll listen to it or not. Four people. Four persons, two by name, two random. Titus, the one who brought relief, the one who God used to bring relief. The person that we don't know who the name is, but they obviously did wrong to somebody. That's person number two. Person number three is the one that suffered the wrong. And person number four is Paul, the one who, who is writing it all. And Paul's a good one to say it because in Acts you find out Paul withstood another apostle to his face, Peter. He saw where Peter was acting up, and he went and stood him to his face. Now, that's not he called, called, yelled at him across the room. That's not he had a little meeting over here and told all the other apostles about what Peter do, did. It says, I withstood him to his face. That means he, he got right there in his face. Is that real? Does that, does that ever happen? And out of that, you, if you read a, a far enough along, you realize those two guys, they got along afterwards. And God brought healing to them. As a matter of fact, one of them went and ministered to the Jews, and the other one went and ministered to the Gentiles, and and I heard a guy say one time, he said, God got glory out of their argument and touched two groups of people. Everybody got touched out of that. So don't tell me God can't use the crazy, right? God, God can use the crazy. J- just last night, um, I can't even remember how we were at my son's basketball game. And they had a Saturday game. And somebody mentioned something about that balloon and I, didn't, I hadn't followed the news enough to know where it was located. And I looked at my wife. I said, that balloon just ain't flew over South Carolina yet. And, and I'm not too worried about the intel that they got because all they had to do was fly over South Carolina. That would be enough right there to stop and say, huh, those people are crazy right there. I'm not going anywhere near them. And, and I found out this morning that York County... At least York County, our sheriff sent out a notice saying, don't shoot it down. (laughs) It it might be the only county (laughs) in the United States where that thing floated over. and It's in trouble if it comes over here. It came over us. And all them rednecks, I'm just not so sure who shot it down. 
They ain't saying exactly, or somebody's getting the credit, but it flew over a place where all things are possible, and some things are probable. (laughs) I'm with you, Matt. I ain't worried about it. I got my eyes on Jesus. But Titus and the one that did wrong and the one that got done wrong and Paul, the one that wrote about all of it, question for you. Joe, thank you for helping me out with this. Which one are you? Right? Which one are you? Are you the one that's going to bring help by? Are you the one that did wrong? Are you the one that got done wrong? Or are you just the one that knows the rest of the story now and, and saw something wonderful happen out of it? You'll be one of those people at different times in your Christian walk. If you remain, becoming a Christian does not uh, inoculate you from from any of that. It's probably going to happen. And you might be in the middle of any one of those things. Because I'm talking about right here, in in the middle of this, this, this is what he says. He says, we have promises from God. And we have a responsibility now to let holiness rise up inside of us. Holiness not being me better than you spiritually. Holiness, listen to me, holiness being this. I'm set aside for God. That's what holiness is, being being set apart. And a situation can set you apart to be used by God. You can be one of these four people. Wherever you're at with that, I trust in God to get you through every one of those things. I had a situation happen recently enough to recognize that after more than 25 years of preaching, my flesh can still rise up. Y'all ain't going to hear about it on the news. But let me tell you, the way I felt inside made me think you might. I, I, you know, you know, if somebody messes with me, it's cool. But mess with my kids, that ain't so cool. And even in the middle of that, Titus came by. Titus came by. Thank God for Titus. Thank God for Titus. Being a Christian doesn't inoculate you from being in this world. You're in this world. Just don't be of this world. Your flesh will always leave a breadcrumb trail back to it. And it will try to extract and get you to reach back into who you used to be. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. Amen. Which one are you? My heart goes out to everyone, even Paul. As he said, there are things in ministry that you have to see 
that you'll take no glory in. There are talks that you'll have to have you'll take no glory in. But because you love people, you'll have those talks. There's times when you'll see somebody did somebody wrong, and it could be so easy to point out what they did wrong, but they're in the middle of it, and they're in the throes of it, and with them, everything's up here. That's not, it's not a fun thing to witness somebody that you know is better than that, and they're not at their best. And then there's the broken one that didn't do something wrong. And I know it takes two to tango, but I can't stand to see the tears of someone who's really been hurt and they didn't ask for it. That's a hard one. And then there's Titus, and you think that's the easy one? Titus took obedience, listening to God and doing what he said to do. Alan, you were a Titus to somebody today. Every one of those places you will visit, you will swap seats with because you're human. Because you're human. But one person who will never swap seats is God. He'll always be on His throne. He'll always be there to help. He'll always be the one to give you guidance if you'll listen. Pastoral messages, they're about choices. They're they're about choices. What you see has the ability to consume you. What you see has the ability to consume you. It's a choice. It's a choice. Every time, it's a choice. Touch no unclean thing. That's what he said. Last week was my eyes. This week is my hands. But can I tell you, you can touch things without touching them with your hands. Touch them with your mouth. Your mouth might be the biggest weapon you own. All of you gun enthusiasts, your mouth might be more dangerous than anything you can put a bullet in. Once this thing fires you don't get to retract. You don't get to say, oh, I didn't know it didn't have a bullet in it. I, I, didn't, know it was, I didn't know it was loaded. Loaded. Let me just tell you, always loaded right there. Always loaded. My dad told me this. He said, son, your tongue is in a slippery place. Be careful with it. It's pretty good advice, isn't it? Be careful. It's always going to come back to this, God. The biggest sabotager in my life is right here. Help me with me. Help me with me.